Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week and next week, we're going to be discussing animals. In particular, in this episode, we're going to be talking about do animals cross over to the other side? What are some signs that your beloved pet is communicating with you from the other side? How can you connect with animals on the other side? And so much more. So please sit back, pour yourself a cup of tea, and join us at the table, won't you, for a very informative, entertaining, and hopefully enlightening discussion. So, Denise, we have so much to cover. I'm looking at my notes, and I'm not really sure where we should start. Well, I think for a lot of our listeners, just even describing what it's like to be an animal empath would be a great way to start, because if you have this exceptional ability to recognize, to understand the emotions of or the mental state of an animal to such a degree that you're able to interact or to um, influence their behavior, there's a really good sign you're a, an animal empath. And it, communication is often telepathic, and people will say, oh, you're just watching their body language or their signs, but it's different than that. And a lot of times animal empaths are drawn to people, to, excuse me, drawn to animals more than people. And you've heard me say countless times that my default position is to take my dogs and go for a walk in the woods because I need that time away from, from human energy. Some people may be to the extreme with their sensitivity to animals that they are offended by eating meat or using leather products, or they may become vegan or vegetarian. And also if animals come to you or they're, um, or you're always taking in strays, that can be another sign that you, you have this strong empathic connection with an animal. They're all really great tips. And I think too, as you awaken your intuition and your empathy, I think this is a natural outpouring of that ability where you will be drawn to animals on a deeper level than maybe you were before. Some people, I think, come to earth already with that connection very, very strong. When we talk about how many, I know that you and I have talked about this a lot, we get so many um, reading requests or when we're doing readings, people ask about their animals that are here or that are past because they're family. They're, they're part of the family and we want to know they're okay. And I think another part is they, animals do communicate telepathically. And it's fun to watch animals in the wild. I used to uh, live in a very rural part of Washington State. And with these amazing, amazing, uh, they call a group of wild turkeys. It's not a flock. Anyway, it's, uh, they put one hen at the beginning and then all the babies would line up and there'd always be another hen at the back of the line. And they'd be guiding those little baby turkeys along. And I always found that fascinating that intuitively, telepathically, they knew they'd move together as a group. Uh, just, it, it, and I think because animals are so telepathic, we're able to connect with them on that level. We're able to send them messages, uh, but we're also receiving the messages. I think that's when our logical brain might get in the way and we might double guess ourselves a bit. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part is overcoming that double guessing. And really the only way to do that is to start to trust yourself and start to practice what you're feeling. I know I would do Reiki on animals for friends and sometimes for clients. And when I was doing Reiki on the animal, I would say, gee, have they always had an issue over here with their right hip? And the person would say, yeah, but, you know, this happened and 
ever since then, she has to take, I think it's glucosamine or something for the hip. And I think, wow, I really did get that. But I wouldn't have known that unless I had practiced and, you know, put myself out there and tried it. Mm -hmm. That animal Reiki is a huge upcoming field too. It's becoming more mainstream. It's becoming more accepted. I mean, and we've gone into people will have acupuncture done on their horses and chiropractic work done on their dogs and all of these other things, but the, the energy work, and it makes perfect sense because if they're functioning from that vibration where everything is an energy exchange telepathically, it, 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 to me, it just makes perfect sense that they would have such a positive impact from, from Reiki and energy work. I jumped kind of down the geek rabbit hole with, you know, the whole history of of animal connections with people. And of course it went back to Francis of Assisi, St. Francis. And during that time in the 1200s, which is surreal to think that how many, you know, 1200, doesn't that sound like just not even real? Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but during this time, it, it, we didn't, they didn't have that connection with nature and animals. and you know, or even being that close to nature because it was considered heresy or it was considered witchcraft or it was considered not following the doctrines of the church. And there was this really cool story about um, St. Francis and taming the wolf of Gubbio. And if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, please forgive me. But in 1220 in this town of, of Gubbio, this wolf, this very ferocious, vicious wolf was terrorizing the town. And at first it would sneak in and it would like, it got all the livestock and then it started attacking the people. So the people were afraid to leave the confines of like this walled town. And so it became worse and worse. And then St. Francis got together a group of people and he said, well, I need to go out there. This is ridiculous. It's killing people. It, it was horrible. So he made the sign of the cross and he left through the, the walled city, walled town, province, whatever we want to call it. And he had this little group of onlookers with him and they made their way to the, the, the wolf's lair and the onlookers held back to see what was happening. And St. Francis went right up to the, uh, the mouth of this, this den and made the sign of the cross again. And the wolf came out and laid its head in his hands. And that really shifted people's perspectives of St. Francis. And instead of fearing him or saying he was a heretic, it started that process of him, him doing his work with the animals, uh, which I think is fascinating as hell. I do too. I, I often will pray to St. Francis and ask him for help with, with my little pets as well. I, I just think his whole story is so illuminating and inspiring. And he's one of, I think he is the first to receive the stigmata as well. So he was a healer in many, many ways. Then if you go to ancient Egypt with the cats, and the cats yeah. were worshipped as living gods uh, and considered an earthly manifestation of the goddesses, is it Bastet, B-A-S-T-E-T, and Maftet, M-A-F-D-E-T. And that again, that animal connection, that ancient. So if, if you look at history being cyclical, we're kind of coming back to that with the animal communication, with animals being such an integral part of our lives. I just think it's, it's wonderful. I do too. You know, there's a quote from Joseph Campbell. He says, animals are our equals at least, and sometimes our superiors. The animal has powers that the human doesn't have. 
The shaman, for instance, will often have an animal familiar, that is to say, the spirit of some animal species that will be his support and his teacher. And the whole thing with, with totem animals, with spirit animals, with uh, whether you're using it as a divination, but animals coming in, I mean, they're, and I think most of our listeners would agree with this, as animals being very conscious, sentient beings. And when they come in messengers, it may be in a dream. It may be that they physically cross our paths. It may, they may visit us in meditations or journey work or during an energy session or even a reading. And I had the coolest thing happen actually this week is I was looking, I'm trying to really weigh out a, a pretty big decision. And I said to my father, I said, okay, if this is the choice I'm supposed to make, show me a duck. And out of the book, I just said a duck. And I, I went all day and I thought, damn it, there's no duck. The next day, I got up in the morning, I looked on an online newspaper and right in the center of the page was a picture of a sea duck. So do wow. I, do I believe that that was, and I made the decision based on that because I'm really trying to let spirit know now, okay, I trust you. I believe that you're doing this. I'm not going to look for, and I started to do that thing where I said, okay, well, if this is real, show me two more ducks or show me. A, and I said, no, they showed me the duck. I need to go. I even sent a picture of the duck to a friend of mine and said, this is a duck, right? <laughs> <laughs> because I think I, that's a wonderful way to connect and to show spirit that you are trusting Okay, another part of that, though, is when I said at first I went all day and I didn't get the duck and I was disappointed because I wanted to see, I, I knew what I wanted my answer to be. So the only way I got the duck was when I let go of seeing it. And we've talked about that to we're blue in the face, but why do we forget? Because we have this illusion that we're in control. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think I forget anyway. Me too. I definitely rely on animal signs and all sorts of signs from spirit, but I rely on my own animals, my living animals here who are sitting with me now as they always are, to help me navigate different people in my life. For example, now I have two little dogs and a cat and a hedgehog. One of my little dogs, she just loves everybody. I mean, the devil could come ring the doorbell and she'd be like, hey, how you doing? Is your skin always good? And she just loves everyone. My, uh, my rescue dog, Charlie Brown, he's a different story. He really only likes me and my kids, and that's about it. And so if, he, if you come to my house and he likes you and he doesn't try to growl or bite you, I know you're a good person. I mean, that poor little puppy, he's flagged at the vet. He's flagged at the groomer because he will let you know if he doesn't like you. And so after the hurricane, I was having all these men come to my house to give me estimates. And I just wasn't thinking, you know, I just was calling and whoever could come, I was getting the estimate and submitting it to the insurance company. And this one day, this man pulls up and he comes to the door and he, to me, he really looked like he had just decided, yeah, today's the day I'm going to murder someone. Like, he just looked <laughs> and scary and angry and full of rage and as I sat at my, stood at my front door, I was thinking, I am home all alone. I don't know who this man is. I haven't had time to get reference. I was really scared. Mm -hmm. But Charlie went up to him and nuzzled, like, Charlie fell in love with him right away. And I instantly felt safer. 
And it turned out the man was an incredibly nice guy. Nothing wrong with him at all. I was just totally judging a book by its cover. And he had just come from a really nasty former client and was just enraged from dealing with them. But listening to Charlie helped me realize, okay, this is going to be okay. So my animals helped me with that type of stuff as well. I love that. I love that story. And I was just thinking about when we were kids, we had a St. Bernard. And if it didn't like people, my father ran a business. So when people would come up to the house to pick things up, whatever it might be, if the dog didn't like someone, she'd immediately stand between anyone who was talking to the person. She'd like block them. And I think paying attention there, the beautiful thing with animals is they don't hold a grudge. They're not, they're unconditional and they want what's highest and best for us. And they live in the moment there. I think that's another beautiful, beautiful message of our pets is, okay, oh boy, I'm eating a biscuit right here. And now I'm having my biscuit. That's all that matters. And I noticed that a lot with, with uh, Grace, the, the little dog I have, she'll, she can be a little bossy boots and a little loud and but when I take her out in the woods she just runs she makes snow angels she's got this big cartoon corgi grin on her face it's just so genuine that she's in the moment and enjoying that and I think that's an incredible incredible message that they gift us with every day I do too but you know when I was doing research for this show I was reading so many different articles and things and one thing I kept coming across that has nothing to do with being an empath but I just wanted to put it out there. Everything I read said, if you have a dog, the number one thing you can do for them is take them for a walk every day. It is not enough for them to run in your yard, that they need to be outside with you, smelling new smells and seeing new things. And it is the number one gift you can give to them is to take them for a walk every single day. And, and to I just mix it up. Yes. Because we'll get in our rut where we'll do the same exact walk in the same. And then sometimes I'll think, oh my gosh, if I take them somewhere new or we go in a different direction or we take a different trail, they are happy as little larks because they get bored. Yeah. You know, I take my dogs everywhere and we go to the beach and the park and around this neighborhood or that neighborhood. And oftentimes I'll bump into people with bigger dogs and they'll say, Oh, gosh, I have a little dog at home, too. I never think to take her for a walk. Her, her legs would get too tired. Oh, no. And I, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> they could go and go and go. They need to be outside. Okay. Anyway, let's get back to our <laughs> topic. <laughs> let's talk about some signs that people should look out for if they have lost a pet. Because we hear a lot from people who are grieving the loss of their four-legged family members. And I think it's important to remind everyone that they really do cross over. And we're going to share some nice uplifting stories about that at the end of the show. They really do cross over and they really do come back to let you know they're okay. And because they are animals and they don't communicate in the same way we do, sometimes the signs could be missed. So, for example... You might be feeling really sad about your dog or your cat or your bird or rabbit or whoever it is that you've just lost. And as you're feeling very, very sad, suddenly you might have this really happy thought about your pet, like a funny memory or a heartwarming recall or the moment you guys first saw each other. A lot of animal communicators say that's a telepathic communication with your pet on the other side. 
because they feel your grief and they're trying to say, I'm okay, let's focus on the good times. And that's a very subtle message that I just want people to know has been earmarked by several animal communicators as a sign from your pet. Well, that's, that's an easy one too. And it also helps change the vibration for yourself if you're feeling really down and lost and empty from your pet having passed. Is to remember, yeah. similar to when a person has passed, try to remember some positive, some uplifting, some beautiful memories. You might also smell your animal. You might just be walking through your house and suddenly you smell their little scent or something that reminds you of them. Sometimes people, and I've heard this a lot, and it's happened to me as well, you'll feel them. You might be sitting at the dining room table and they always used to brush up against your legs while you were eating. And after they've passed, one day for a second, you might feel that again. Or you might be sitting in your bed trying to fall asleep, which is a really good time for any spirit communication to occur because we're in that hypnogogic state. And you might feel the sensation of your pet jumping on the bed like he or she always did when alive. I had that happen with a cat that had gotten hit by a car. And oh. terrible and horrific. But the cat always used to sleep at the end of the bed. And I felt it jump up and like right down at the end on the bottom left-hand corner. It's the same place the cat always slept. And I, for probably three or four nights after she was hit and passed, she'd, she'd jump up on the bed. It was That happened to me with my Doberman Gretchen. I, every night when I was falling asleep for about three or four nights, I would hear her claws on the hardwood floors mm-hmm. like I did every night where she'd run. And as soon as I settled into bed, she'd come running from wherever she was and would jump on the bed. And for three or four nights in a row, I'd hear those claws clipping on the hardwood floors. And I had to sit down on the floor with my crystals and do a meditation and tell her, we love you, but you need to cross through the light. Because my daughter was seeing her a lot in those three or four days. Like she would just walk by the open front door and she'd see Gretchen sitting on the driveway like she always did. Mm-hmm. Or she'd be walking into the kitchen to get a glass of water and she'd see Gretchen at the back door waiting to come in. And so I, I took it as a sign that she was so bonded to us that she wasn't willing to leave us. Right. So I did a meditation and I just imagined the light and I said, you can visit us more easily and be happier if you go through this light. That was only because it was like the first week after she passed. And sometimes I do think they will stay a little bit longer because they love us and they're worried about us. So I always tell them, if you go through the light, you can actually come back more frequently and more easily. You might also have objects of theirs that will kind of just show up. Like let's say, for example, you put all of their their leashes and collars away. Maybe you hung it up where you hang up your keys or by your coats. And you thought, I'll deal with this later. I'm too sad right now. And then suddenly it falls to the ground or it's on the kitchen counter. That's a different, like a more difficult sign for them, but it is one that will pop up. Mm -hmm. You might hear them. You might hear your dog barking or your cat meowing or your bird tweeting. You might hear the little rustle of the hay moving in their habitat. If you have a rabbit, for example, and that can be a sign from them. I think the most common one is having a dream about them. And to me, that's always a really good sign that they have crossed over as well. Mm-hmm. Those dreams can be so comforting. It can be just you two visiting. 
usually it's right in your in your home. You know, we lost our cat Lance several months ago, and the daughter who kept seeing our other dog Gretchen, she's had a few dreams about Lance. And my other daughter was saying, I haven't had a dream about Lance, and that makes me sad. And I said, well, ask him, honey. Just say, Lance, I'd like to connect with you in a dream as well. And a couple of days later, she said, Mom, I had this dream. When, when you walk into my house, there's the stairs. And so underneath the stairs, I had, I had someone carve out like little shelves, mm-hmm. little pull-out drawers. And that's where I have everybody dump their shoes. So a little carpeted cubby under the stairs. And that's where Lance loved to sit because it was, you know, safe and cozy. And so sometimes you'd walk by and you'd see these green eyes staring at you. A little creepy. <laughs> anyway, she said in her dream, she was um, coming in from school and she put her shoes in the cubby and there was Lance. And she had this feeling, this, that, this sense that he just came to visit and play. And she said in the dream, we all sat on the living room floor in a circle around him while he just nuzzled up to each of us. And then she woke up. Oh, well, that's a lovely dream. I know. And I think it's a good reminder that if you don't have that dream message, you can ask them or talk about it because they'll hear that. It's like a pull on their energy. You can also see their name. Like, let's say you've been thinking about your dog a lot. And you've been wondering if they're okay and missing them. And then you go to lunch and the person who waits on you is named Gretchen. Sometimes that can be a sign if you see their name a lot that day that you've been thinking about them. I had someone write me a note and I have a a new, a different dog than the one that I've had. We've talked about this. And someone sent me a note asking how this dog was doing, but they used my, they used Gabe's name. They said, so how's Gabe? And it's the same breed of dog, but... And then immediately, it, it was like a text, oh, how Gabe, how's Gabe doing? Is he feeling better? And I texted back, well, Gabe has been gone for a while now. Oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot. And I just wonder if that could be as well, is to just, when it comes through as a message from someone else, because it was, she wasn't being thoughtless. She wasn't saying, oh my gosh, I'm trying to, to dredge up old stuff. I think it can just slip out. And I shared that before when we first got this dog, that I would say oh Gabe and, and he'd lift his head up and he was an eight-week-old puppy so hmm. wow now I believe that our pets often help us find new pets when we are ready yes I'd yes, always kind of believed that but I wasn't 100% sure until a woman came to see me at my office years ago for a reading and I kept seeing this German shepherd and I said, did, I said, do you have a German Shepherd? And she got teary and she said, I did, but he passed away. And I thought, oh my God, because I did not think I was an animal communicator. I do not really still believe I'm an animal communicator necessarily. What I believe is that it's the connection of love. Like whatever mm-hmm. the love bond is, that's what I can connect with as a medium. And because she was so bonded to the German Shepherd, that's why I made that connection. And so... After I validated the German Shepherd and he showed me how he had passed and that he, she, she had needed to put him down and he was thanking her for that because he had been in so much pain. And then he showed me an airplane landing at an airport. And I said, I don't know what that means. And she kind of like slammed her hands on the table and she goes, that's it. That's why I came here. We're done. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> 
And she said, well, I really need to get a new puppy because I'm not getting through this grief. And so I talked to him in my morning prayers and I said, I want to get a new German Shepherd puppy. You need to help me. And she was debating between one person who was who had a local German Shepherd and another who had one that would have to be flown in. Mm-hmm. And she said, when I go to see Samantha, if you could just show her either like a Wilmington sign and then I know it's the local lady or an airplane. Wow. And then he showed me the airplane landing and she knew that was where the dog was supposed to come from. And I just think that's so cool that they were able, that little dog was able to do that. And that comes through a lot when animals come through that have passed is that's very, very often they'll, they'll thank someone for letting them go or that they were ready to go or not to feel bad. Very, I've never, ever had a dog say, what, what the hell were you thinking? I wasn't ready. I've never had that happen. The other thing that I think about this a lot is if I'm doing a reading for someone and I'll bring through an animal, but it's an animal they had when they were a kid. So that supports what you were just saying about there are certain animals that we we love them all, but some that we have such a, a soul bond connection with. So if I'm talking to someone and say, oh, well, you know, yes, this is your dad and he died when he was in his early 80s and this and that, why is he showing me a Britney Spaniel? And they'll say, well, no, we never had Britneys. He had one when he was a kid. So mm-hmm. I wonder, have you had that happen? Yes, I have. I have a lot. And I think, I think that's very common that you, you must bond differently with an animal. I know my, my cat Beauregard, I got him when I was nine and he passed away when I was 23. So that's definitely a pet that I severely strongly bonded with. And I'm sure he'll be there for me when, when it's my turn, you know, a hundred years from now. But I do think there's, there's a different bond with when you're a child and you're just as open and present minded and trusting as that animal is. And so there's, there is a special bond. And I think sometimes they come through as a sign to the client because again, with mediumship, my goal is to show that I am not doing telepathy. Like I'm not reading your minds or your memories. I'm connecting, you know, and so if I see a Brittany Spaniel, but your memory holds love for a bulldog. It's going to be more evidential that I'm connecting with your dad if I see his dog. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes, that makes perfect sense. We will often, you know, I did a reading for a man who had just lost a dog. And he asked me to connect with the dog. And I said, well, I will try. And the dog did come through with some pretty good validations. And but I do want to, like, it's not my specialty. It's not like something I do all the time. I'm, I'm picking out the good story. <laughs> right. I, I don't always connect with people's animals, but this time I did. And the guy was a real skeptic and he was like, well, yeah, that is him. And yeah, that is how he passed. And, but I could tell I hadn't said the one thing that would make him go, yeah, that's it. Right. And so I just kind of like pushed with my mind and I was like, you need to give me something more. And I saw a rabbit, like a big fluffy white rabbit. And I said, did you have a rabbit as a kid? And he said, yeah. He said, I had, I had a big fluffy white rabbit when I was a kid. And I said, well, your dog is showing me that this rabbit greeted him. Like that was one of the greeters when he came oh. to the other side. And I think that's what did it for him. 
And so sometimes it made me wonder, are animals who pass obviously before us, are they greeted by our former pets? That would, I don't know. I think that that's something to, to really think. I want, I want to ask people about that too, because sometimes I'll ask other mediums or I'll read about what other mediums have said about this. And that, I think that's a good way to do it, is to do some research on it as well. Yeah, I do too. Well, um, I just want to take a quick moment to tell people about our webinar coming up, and then when we come back, we'll uh, jump back into this topic and, and share some stories. But Denise and I are teaching an advanced mediumship webinar during the daytime in March. We're teaching that March 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th from 12 to 1.30. And then we're teaching it in the evenings, Thursday evenings in April, April 4th, 11th, 18th, and 25th. And that is from 7 to 8.30. And in this class, you will get a lot of information that can help expand and push your mediumship to the next level. You do have to have taken our Mediumship 101 webinar before you can take this advanced mediumship webinar. Um, do, you, do you mind if I share a quick email that a listener sent to us about the class? I think that'd be lovely. Okay. Here, okay, let me see. Uh, myself and all the wonderful ladies who are now my best friends that attended your class in October have been stalking your website to see the dates for the advanced mediumship class. We are dying to sign up. We've been meeting every week since the class ended, no exaggeration, and it seems to be the weekly question. Our lives have changed, and I must say we have all learned so much and have grown a ton. If I haven't said it before, thank you a billion times over for your classes. Without that one class last year, I would have never met these wonderful ladies and would still be feeling alone. And so I read that email not to say, well, look at me and Denise, look what we're doing. I read that email to say, look at what happens when you take a step outside of your comfort zone and try something new. The wonderful relationships and connections that are formed, it's just, it's humbling and honoring for us. And I just wanted to share that because the goal of the webinars that Denise and I do isn't just us talking as teachers and sharing our knowledge with you. Our goal is connection and community. And that email really, I think, summed up what we're trying to do. Right. And, and to empower people to trust their own. Because it's so fun to watch. The, everyone comes in with a different level of, of expertise or experience, but by the end, everyone made progress and there was a camaraderie. And we really, really promote it being a, a safe place to be vulnerable, a safe place to, and we don't push anybody to go out of their comfort zone. But yeah. I, I mean, I, that's really, really important to both of us that people feel supported and safe and uh, that it, it, that's vital with this type of work anyway, I think. And one other thing I'd like to mention is that all the times that Samantha mentioned are Eastern Standard Time. So if that impacts when you'd be able to take the course. Oh, great point. Yes. And that will all be posted on our Facebook page. And if you want to sign up, you can sign up by going to Denise's website, which is thegratefulmessenger.com. Perfect. And that's all I have to say about that. We hope you can join us. Okay, yes. where should we go from here? Um, how about uh, like animals coming as messengers? 
from from spirit so so many people cardinals are huge and as i was thinking about it and doing research so often it's birds and it, you know some will say because they deliver the messages from heaven because they're not restricted and they're able to go between the realms and and even if you go back to uh indigenous beliefs it always ties in with that power of of crow or raven or owl or eagle or hawk always were the messengers they were the always that connection to the other side well for for various reasons uh, so I, I just find that fascinating because if an animal is coming to you and they're acting oddly or i just want to share this really quickly is uh, one of my sons texted me and said he went out the other night and he went down the bottom of the stairs and there were two little bunnies sitting there looking at him and i had given him animal speak for christmas and he did i already Tell the story if I'm repeating myself. I hope I'm not. Um, I think so. Okay. And he texted me and, said, and he told me the story. And I said, colorful word, colorful word. Well, we know they're sending you a message. And then he texted me a couple days later and he said, I didn't pay attention to Rabbit. And he just, with a, a frowny face. And I called him and we talked about it. And the message had been so clear of why they were there. And then what, pre what presented in his life like a day and a half later and he said, at the time, I didn't make the connection, but now it's crystal clear that they were coming into war to, to uh, almost as a premonition of what was potentially going to happen. And I think that will happen a lot with animals. They're there to validate, or if they're coming in from, from someone in spirit, like with my father and the duck, that was an old joke about a certain kind of boat, boat that we both liked, that I really liked when I was a kid. Um, Nova Scotia fishing boats have a very broad beam. And we always used to joke that they float like a duck. And to me, they're very beautiful. The lines on a Novi are very, very pretty. So I thought, well, that makes sense. I'll ask him to show me a duck. But so if it's coming from a person, if the animal's coming from a person, it can also be a symbol of hope and unconditional love from someone in spirit. If the cardinal is looking right in your window or the chickadees are lined up on your uh, fence posts and they're all just if they're acting a little odd or they keep coming back to the same place or uh, did you see the thing online with the the lady and the chickadee landed on her arm and it just like yes. popped right over I mean holy shit that's a messenger yes 100% <laughs> I agree and I would also say go ahead and google you know metaphysical or spiritual meaning of seeing fill in the blank animal but then take some time to meditate and tune in and ask, what message does this sighting bring for me? Don't always rely on what the books tell you. Right. Especially if, like for me, snakes are transformation, shedding the old skin, their rebirth, renewal. I think it's a very, very positive omen or, or messenger or spirit totem. If you have a horrific fear of snakes, that's not going to apply. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good example. And so you have to take what everyone says it means, but then really tune in and see what it means for you. I love the medicine card, the, the cards in the book that goes along with it for reference. I like Ted Andrews' work on animal signs as well. But again, I think you should go within and see what that message is for you. And yes, I do think it can be birds. I think it can be animals as like ladybugs, dragonflies, butterflies, but also I think certain 
certain pets can be messengers, certain animals that you see again and again and again. Like let's say you have a dream about a wolf and you can't sleep after this dream. So you wake up and you turn the TV and there's a documentary on wolves. And then you get up in the morning and you read a news article about wolves being reinstated to the national parks. And, you know, if it keeps coming up like that, it might be a sign for you as well. And I really, really value animals in my dreams as a sign. I feel like they're, uh, I don't want to say more potent, but they just feel like they're truly, I always take animals as a sign in, in my dreams. Whereas other things I might double guess or, unless it's so cryptic that you can't, if, if, if it's a lock and a key or if it's going up a staircase, if it's something that cryptic, but with the animals, I always, always feel that they're coming in as messages. Yeah, I do too. So I think it's about putting yourself out there and opening yourself up to that connection and just seeing, okay, what is, what is this for me? What is this meaning? What is this message for me? You know, I have to tell a quick story about how I got Lily. I'm sure Mm -hmm. I've told it before, but I'll make it quick. One day I was getting ready to go to my office to do a whole day of readings. And I had my car open, the door open, because I forgot my purse. And I ran back inside. And when I came back out to my car, there was a little tiny white dog sitting in my car. And I was like, well, hello, little friend. Who are you? And so I I put a little leash on her, and, and I walked all around my neighborhood. Nobody was out looking for this dog. Meanwhile, I've got a client waiting for me at the office. You know that panicky feeling. Yes. So I didn't want to leave her at the house because I still had my big Doberman and I didn't know how she'd react. So I just took her to work with me. And Denise, it was the most peaceful day I'd ever had at the office. Like all the clients loved her. She was super nice to everyone. She sat on like on my feet all day while I was doing readings, just sleeping. So cute. I loved it. And I just... I loved that feeling because I had, I had always had Rottweilers and Dobermans and Mm -hmm. people don't love seeing Rottweilers and Dobermans. (laughs) Very rare do you get a, Oh, how cute. Can I pet them? But with this little dog, everybody was like, Oh, how sweet. And so I got it into my head that I think I want a little dog. It'd be so nice to have a little dog I could take to work. And so I just put out the thought when I was saying my prayers to God and I said, I would like a little dog to take with me to work and to just be my little companion buddy. If that works, could you please send one to me? And maybe two or three days later, one of my clients who's a hairstylist called me. Now I have, I've never told anybody, anybody this. I've never been, I, I had at that point, I had never rescued a dog. I wasn't known as like an animal person at per se. I had, I had two cats and a Doberman. That was it. Anyway, so she calls me and she was like, hey, I was just cutting someone's hair and she, um, her Yorkie just had four puppies and she can't keep them. One of them has a hernia and so she can't even sell it with the AKC, AKC papers. And she said, is there any chance you would want this little Yorkie? Oh my. And I said, why did I pop into your head? I'm just curious. And she said, I don't know, but you did. You just popped into my head. And I said, yes, actually, I've been looking for a little dog like that. Now, when I had looked online to rescue a little Yorkie, there weren't any at that time. And when I had looked at, I'm not a fan of, quote unquote, buying a dog. Mm -hmm. And when I researched it, they were really expensive. So I was like, well, I guess this just isn't going to happen. I'll wait until there's 
a little one in the little pet magazine for for um, adoption. Then right. she called me. So I called the woman, and the woman was like, oh, yeah, she's still here. She's ready to go. Can you meet me today? And by the end of that day, I had little Lily. Okay, so nobody claimed the little white dog in the car? Oh, I'm sorry. I should get back to that. Yeah, but that would be <laughs> I'm important. worried about the little white dog. In the I know. <laughs> no, I had, we have like a, like a website for my neighborhood, and I posted it on the website. And at 5 p.m., the owner of the little dog had called me, and it was, it was literally the other side of my street. They had just moved in, and he had gotten away, or she, the little dog had gotten away. And I was so sad walking that little dog back. But, okay, but, they, but he, the little dog showed up in the car, and then the Yorkie came into your life a few days later. Yes. Oh, that's, I love that. I love that story. Yes, I didn't make it a very clear story, but uh, <laughs> it's a, it was a long time ago. We're actually celebrating Lily's birthday this weekend. She turns eight. Wow. I know. And she has been such a joy. Okay, do you want me to share my kind of long story about connecting with the dog on the other side? Yes, or do you I, something? No, no, I'd love to hear the story. Okay, so guys, this is a little bit long, but I promise it's a good one. It is from PMH Atwater's work, uh, but this woman went on to write her own book. Her name is Jan Price. She had a near-death experience in 1993 where she was greeted on the other side by her dog, Maggie. And she writes about this in a lot of detail in her book, The Other Side of Death, if you want to check it out. So she shares her story. My beautiful dog, my beloved Springer Maggie, came to me. She had died less than a month before, and my husband and I still ached from her absence. So here this woman is Jan. She's on the other side, and she has all these descriptions of what she's seeing and the colors. But out of all of that comes her dog, Maggie. She says, I felt her presence, her love, and she appeared to me just as she had when she was in physical form, only younger and more vital. She said to me, you know, daddy can't handle both of us being gone right now. Yes, I said, I'm going back. Will you come soon too? Maggie replied, when it is time, we will know. Now let me show you wondrous things. Let's explore together. I came to realize that there is a love connection between the two worlds, a stream of energy that forms a heart bond between two souls that is strongest at the time of transition. Love comes out to greet you, wearing the form that will be most meaningful to you at that time. In my case, it was our precious dog, and yes, dogs do have souls. Plato knew it, and so did St. Augustine, along with many other true saints and sages. And yes, they can communicate audibly in our language in that other world. So Maggie and I were interacting on a fine wavelength, and although we had dropped our physical vehicles, our bodies were made visible to the senses through an image in the mind projected as form. She was as real to see and touch as she was when I'd held her in, her arm, in my arms. My friend Maggie and I walked side by side, as we had so many times in that other place of being. Without any effort, we moved through a realm of ecstatic color. Maggie showed me how to shape forms out of energy by pressing with my mind. Isn't that a fascinating concept? Yes. If you want the form to hold, you press firmly. This is a highly mental plane and form is created with no effort. An image of that which you wish to create is held in the mind and through intense focus is brought into expression. You can then lock it or release it. Maggie wanted to show me where she lived. She said she was 
she had patterned much of what she remembered of the homes where she had lived with us. She held these images in her mind, pressed, and created her home. As she spoke of her home, we arrived there, which didn't seem strange at all at the time. Later, I realized that it was a rather bizarre experience, not only the instantaneous being there in the space of thought, but also the idea that our dog had actually built a home on the other side. As I stood in Maggie's dwelling place, I felt great joy. There was a fire in the fireplace, giving the room a warm, friendly glow, a wall of books, beautiful paintings and oriental rugs. One whole side of the room was glass, and you could look out on a vista of rolling hills, bubbling streams, and many trees. We sat comfortably on one of the soft, velvety love seats, content just to be together. I stroked her beautiful head, and she laid her paws across my legs. To touch again was so precious, for there was so much love between us. Without spoken words, we shared memories and deep feelings. Much communication over here is silent, although sound was sometimes used simply because it was so pleasant. My heart overflowed with gratitude for the opportunity to have this reunion and to see my beloved Maggie so joyously, vibrantly alive in what can truly be called paradise. Reluctantly, we left Maggie's home, and she took me to a place called a lookout. It appeared to be only an overhang on a high cliff, but the view was intensely magnified. I could look onto earth, I, the earth I had left behind, as though peering into a monitor if I chose to do so. Maggie said no one spends a lot of time here but some will occasionally stop by to check on their loved ones in the earthly realm. Isn't that fascinating? It really is. Very fascinating. So she goes on and on and on to discuss why she believes she saw her dog Maggie mainly, rather than, say, her grandmother or a, like a human relative. And she believes it's back to that connection of love, that because they had just lost Maggie the month or so before, that love was so strong and real and vibrant that it was the easiest loved one for her to connect with. And I think too, for a lot of folks that are choosing not to have children or their, their animals or their children, and I know, they, I have to say it again, their family, and some people will come to me asking to connect to their pets rather than their people. And I'm in the same boat with you, sometimes I get a really great hit and sometimes it, it's not, and I think part of that is because I do love animals so much and you love animals so much, that they're more amenable to stepping forward to us as mediums. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Now, in Atwater's book, she says, both adults and children occasionally report being greeted on the other side by animals, especially if favored pets have previously died. But it is the children who describe an animal heaven. Some even insist that they must go through it before they can reach the heaven where people are. That old cartoon, I, all dogs go to heaven. Yeah. I like that and I don't like that because I always see them interacting with humans. I don't see it as a separate place. I've never seen it separate either. Not to say that, that it's not that way, but I've, I've always seen, whenever I see an animal in spirit, I've always seen them with someone or coming forward. Like if it was someone's, I just got a flash of I did a reading a long time ago and someone had this, uh, a black lab that they absolutely were bonded to at the hip with and the dog was just sitting there waiting. So I've had that happen, but I've never seen a separate place. No, me neither. Now, I, I do want to talk about religion real quick because for anyone who grew up Catholic like we did, 
you will know that the Catholic Catechism has for a very long time taught that animals do not have souls, that only humans have souls. And I just want to make it very clear that Pope Francis has amended this, and that is very, very good news. But I also wanted to point out how much this has changed. So, for example, in the 19th century, Pope Pius IX was the first pope to officially declare animals soulless and thus unable to enter heaven. But Pope John, the Paul, pope John Paul II, he went the opposite direction. In 1990, he said animals have souls. He says they were created by God's breath just as we were. Mm-hmm. Then 20 years later, Pope Benedict says God only gives access to heaven to humans. So these popes need to come to agreement, right? Like, which is it? <laughs> so then Pope Francis has said eternal life will be a shared experience of awe in which every creature resplendently transfigured will take its rightful place in heaven. My personal so I think belief that's, is I do think animals have souls. I do. Oh, of course. I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous that that's even still debated. And I also find that I found mentions of it in the Bible, in the book of Revelations. And four, of Revelations 4, verses 6 to 11, it describes four living creatures surrounding the throne of God. In Revelations 5, verses 6 to 8, Jesus is described as turning into a lamb. In Revelation 5, verses 11 to 14, it describes a time when animals are resurrected from the dead and enter heaven. So that's my little counterpoint to any religious fears that say they do not have the souls, because they do. And I think that mediumship proves it. I think personal encounters with our loved ones on the other side prove it. I think that these near-death experiences prove it. And I think that we know it. We feel it in our body. We feel that love that does not die. And that's, that's the key. It's love. It's always about love. It really is. That's all, that, that's all that everything comes down to. So you were talking about some books um, and movies you wanted to recommend. Oh, well, just I was thinking about this. as Obviously, the, the standbys, Animal Speak, Animal Wise, um, the... Ted Farmork, all of those are, are classic stuff. Uh, Amelia Kincaid wrote a book on animal communication, Daniel McKinnon. I mean, there's all kinds of books out there that, that will do that, and you will be discussing it. Well, anyway, The Horse Whisperer was a novel that was uh, made into a movie in the late 1990s, and it was based on this novel by Nicholas Evans, who wrote this story on a man who worked with horses and helped a teenage person who was very ill and injured to heal through through working with the horses and then there's you know the the dog whisperer who Caesar Milan and a lot of his stuff is about showing you the alpha but it's also about that telepathic communication of of how their dogs are so aware and if you start watching your animals still and I've done this with my dogs communicating with animals or animals in spirit is they'll you can ask them questions and they might like move the one ear a certain way, or they might wink one eye, or they might, if it's a consistent thing that they're doing, take that as a sign that they're, they're letting you know they're hearing what you're saying. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's a lot of really uplifting, exciting movies. I think you can watch about animals and connecting with the other side. I have not seen a dog's purpose yet. Have you? No. No, Yeah, I I haven't. 
There's also a, a dog documentary on Netflix right now, I think, that people are, are saying is, is amazing. Do you know what it's called? Um, oh, I can't think of the name of it offhand, but I think if you go on Netflix and just put in dog, it'll, it'll pop up. You know okay. what else I thought about is Temple Grandin, who is the woman yeah. who wrote all the books on autism. And her, she became really famous because she would get down in the cattle guards and see things from a cow's perspective. And that's how she would design these different things. So they were more humane for the animals. Yes. I think I, I love her work. And I think that's a great, that's a great point to bring up because I think it was Leonardo da Vinci who said, he, you know, humanity will not be humane until they treat animals the same way they treat humans. And I think her work kind of reminds us of that. I think about stuff like that all the time, not to, not to end the show on a, on a no. Debbie Downer note. No, but, but I, you know, like with that cold snap we had, you know, we were sitting there. It was, I will not say it was cold where I was living, Denise, because that would be like a slap in the face to you and me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really cold for us one night. And my oldest daughter said to me, Mom, I can't stop thinking about those animals in the zoo down the road. Oh. And I thought, gosh, that's so true. We have this awful roadside zoo in town. I have worked really hard to raise awareness about it, and, and nothing really gets done. But it is consistently voted one of the top, ten, top 25 worst roadside zoos in America. Oh. And I've been in contact with PETA, and PETA's like, we keep trying. There's nothing we can do. They will not even put hay in their cages. Now, mm. I, 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 I dropped the story. I haven't, you know, so I could be wrong in the last few years. But when I was investigating it, they wouldn't even put hay in the cages. And I did think, like, what are they doing in this cold? And then I thought, what do all animals do in zoos when it's, when it's this cold? That's a huge thing. Another big, big sign of are you an animal empath? is if you think about those kind of things or you worry about rescues or if you can't, I can't watch the, the starving puppy ads. I can't see them. Yeah. I, I cry. Yeah. I can't look at them physically. I can't look at them because it rips me up so much. I can't listen to any Sarah McLaughlin mu music now. Oh. Because <laughs> it all reminds me of those sad, terrible commercials. Yes. And I'm not saying that those are a terrible thing, but it's just if you're that empathic to animals and, and animals being hurt, it, it physically reacts in your body. And if you're like us and that stuff really tugs at you and bothers you and kind of weighs on you throughout your day, take action. That is something that I have and that helps me a lot. Like, for example, my girls and I will buy fleece whenever it's on sale. And we'll make it into little knotted blankets and donate them to shelters in town. Oh, I will collect old towels and, you know, donate that to shelters and groomers and things like that so that they have supplies that they need. If, if biscuits that are organic and healthy and made in the USA, if they're ever on sale, I'll buy extra and drop them off. I also, I always keep um, something in my car, some type of treat for an animal. So that if I'm driving and I see an animal on the side of, like, like a dog I'm talking about, on, on the side of the road, I can use that to approach the animal in a gentle, kind way and then help get him either off the road or back to his owner or in my car or whatever it needs to be done. I've, I've had to do that a lot. Mm -hmm. 
So there's a lot of actions you can take just locally that are really pretty simple and, and aren't going to take up a ton of your time or a ton of your money. The fleece blankets are really easy. And I think it's a fun thing to do with your kids because it's just the knotted blankets, you know? Yeah. So if you can tie a knot, you can make a fleece blanket. And it just helps to make the dog or cat's transition from a not-so-great home to a cage while they're waiting for a good home a little bit cozier. Incredibly thoughtful. Would you Go like ahead. to share about our guest next week? Yes, I was just going to say that. So next week we are going to be introducing you all to an animal communicator. Her name is Karen Anderson, and she wrote the best-selling book, The Amazing Afterlife of Animals. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy her story. She talks and, and writes in her book about being a police officer and using her connection and communication with the animals to help solve crimes, which I thought was a really cool angle and one I had not ever heard about or even thought about in terms of animal communication and this kind of work. But it makes sense because there is that story. There's, I think there's at least one of the bird who has shown police who did the crime. Do you remember that story where the man shot his wife and made it look like a suicide, but the bird yes. actually spoke her last words. And yes. there was a whole thing like, can we introduce a bird in court? <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> so anyway, so next week we will have Karen Anderson on talking to you all about her amazing afterlife connections with the animals. And we really hope you join us. In the meantime, if you liked this show, please consider telling a friend so we can continue to grow our connection. Leave us a review on iTunes to help people find us. And don't forget, we are also on Spotify and YouTube. If you have a question or a story about animals or connecting with your animals that you would like us to share on our upcoming community connections, you can share it to us by either messaging us on Facebook, Enlightened Empaths, or emailing us, enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to always show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.